This is Dr. Saba Maruf, and you are listening to Unsung Heroes, uncovering stories of inspiration and action here on Podcast Detroit. And welcome to another episode of Unsung Heroes, Stories to Inspire here on Podcast Detroit, where our purpose is, is to share amazing stories and unique narratives of individuals who have been sparked by their passion to become movers, shakers, and change makers in our communities. And we really hope that by sharing these stories of positivity, we will inspire you to live a life of purpose and action. And I'm really excited today because we actually have a recap episode. We have a return guest, and this is the first time that we've done this. Um, but I thought I've been on this show so many times. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I meant like a return guest oh, because oh. she's doing amazing things okay. and I we wanted to kind of catch me. up. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. But <laughs> well, I do want to welcome you, Calvin, my co-host. Hi. Hi. You're always a return guest, co-host, but fabulous person overall. I'll accept it. I will accept your <laughs> apology. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, I want to welcome our sound engineer. Um, Jess. Hi, Jess. Hi. <laughs> How are you today? Good. How are you? Good. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Can okay. I can't you? really hear can myself, hear but okay? as long as you can hear me, that's all Yeah, matters. I can't hear myself that great either. Okay. okay. But that's okay. As long as we're heard by somebody. There we, oh, there we are. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's there, good. That's good. Butter? That's yeah. fantastic. Okay. Thank okay. you. I just wanted to make sure that, you know. But we are here with Nicole Beatty. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me, you guys. It's so great I to have you back. to come to the studio. Oh, we're so excited because um, actually, have you been? You've collaborated with Calvin too, I, I think, think yeah, right? My show. So you've yeah, been, yeah so you're getting used control. to it. I think you should start your yeah. own show now. Change somebody's perspective yeah. on the show too. Oh, He's like, wow. I never I thought about it that surprised. way. I was like, yeah. I think you should start your own show. You're like, come here. <laughs> Next up, I'm going to put that on the to do list. <laughs> <laughs> um, Not like we don't have enough to do, right? Yeah, exactly. Maybe. Yeah. So that's why we're here because she has been very busy. So Nicole was actually we're very honored to have her on our inaugural episodes she was episode two so if you want to check her out on episode that two long ago already? but March. that was basically end of march and here we are um it's wow november 27 right now yep right? we're on episode 27 oh how cool and we so just um just to kind of um give a brief introduction nicole is a dietitian with 15 years of experience in healthcare, and um and but she's you know her real big thing is that she's been um in addition to her career in dietetics she's been active in the leadership of the Michigan chapter of Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America, where she served as a state legislative lead. And, um, you know, the past few years, she's turned her activism to politics and was a 2016 Democratic candidate for state representative in Michigan's 40th district, where she ran on a platform of progressive issues. And um, she earned, uh, while that bid was unsuccessful at the time, I mean, whatever you define as unsuccessful, I mean, she didn't win, but she did earn 46% of the vote and proved that gun safety was a motivating issue for voters in her community. And we're very super excited to have her here today because she's recently announced that she'll be running again in the 2018 um, election. um, And she launched her campaign in Birmingham, Michigan, and um, she will be running for the state as a state representative in Michigan, again, 40th district. So we're super excited and we're, I mean, wow, what a whirlwind for you. Yeah. I mean, did you even, were you even able to recover from the last one? (laughs) Just barely. (laughs) Um, You know, it's, um, 
this election is going to be so different. I mean, last time I um, was running against an incumbent in a seat that was historically Republican and was sort of considered something that a, a Democrat couldn't win. Mm. And we came so close to victory mm-hmm. and in at a time that it's become so politically um, – you know, you remember after the election when people were saying, you know, I just can't wait till we like stop talking about politics again. And that just hasn't happened. Like people mm-hmm. are engaged at a whole nother level. So um, in addition, Michigan's uh, term limits dictate that our current representative is moving on. And so we're going to choose a new representative. I did so much work and I met so many amazing people and engaged the community in such a way that I felt like I was going to give it one more shot. So, wow. Amazing. So you so there's no income. There's no incumbent. No. Okay. Wow. Mm -hmm. So what changed for you after the 2016 election? I mean, how was that for you? You know, lessons learned, but I mean, you kind of touched on it. And I guess also, I mean, the also just in general, um, we kind of mentioned, talked about this offline, but um, the 2016 presidential election after all that. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, November 9th, we sort of woke up a different nation and we're, um, you know, we're still trying to navigate our way through that. And so for me, um, you know, if you would have told me two years ago, I would I would be launching a second campaign for office. I would be like, I don't know, you've got the wrong girl. And so um, being, you know, a rookie candidate and running last time and figuring it all out and meeting so many people and pushing myself so much outside my comfort zone, um, you know, was, was so positive and, and, um, the message and the issues that we were talking about obviously resonated with people because they, you know, came out in numbers for me more than they had for any candidate in the past. And so when looking forward, you know, the issues that were, that, I was concerned about in Michigan are all still there and the Mm -hmm. challenges are still there. And I felt like, you know, this, this is a good opportunity. We're going to have a big election here in Michigan. We're going to choose new governors and Mm -hmm. new executive offices and, and all down the ticket at a time where I think the, the stuff that's going on at the national level is getting people really fired up and engaged. I mean, last time around I, I would, you know, we could go to democratic clubs or we would talk at community events, but now there's a movement of people who are coming together who are almost just socially supporting each other through what they think is a really tumultuous time mm-hmm. in our country. Um, you know, I, I mean, in the last two weeks, I've gone to, I think, four different sort of meetings or cocktail hours of groups that consider themselves resistance groups who are um, – people who were just living their daily lives who are now trying to engage at a political level in a way they haven't before. Or for some, they're, they're, you know, people who are our parents' age who were really active in the, you know, 60s and 70s who are re, um, refinding their sort of protest movement selves. So, Do you wow. – so when you said, you know, November 9th, we woke mm-hmm. up a different nation, I – as a historian, I'm like, did – did we like I don't know that the people that voted in our current president much changed for them other than that they, that they got their guy in like maybe they're maybe certain things that they've said have been more emboldened, but I don't think on November ninth that I was at all surprised uh when one of two people won <laughs> yeah I, 
I was hopeful that the other person would win, but I was not surprised. I was like, okay, you know, there are people who, when when President Obama won, were very, very, very upset, and that mobilized a particular base. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't matter what the guy who they voted for was saying; they were going to vote for him because they didn't want more of the same, so to speak. So, I guess I wasn't I wasn't surprised when I saw a bunch of conservatives vote for Donald Trump. I just wasn't. Uh, I was disappointed. I was disappointed given the rhetoric of 1997 when uh, Clinton was caught, you know, in sexual scandal and uh, James Dobson of, uh, what do you call it, focus on the family. He's like, well, you know, he's disqualified on moral grounds. You can't run a family, can't run a country. And then fast forward to 2016 and that same guy is like, well, you know, we're not voting a pastor in chief. You know, we're voting for commander in chief. And so mm-hmm. I guess – uh, the only thing I saw change was people who were running on a moral standpoint, so to speak, moral party, abandoning those morals to go for a person who has displayed a total lack thereof. But I wasn't necessarily surprised. Were you really surprised when that happened? Well, I mean, I think you're I like... That's not a question that we had written down, but I'm like, ah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think what I'm talking about is people um, who I think had become complacent in the political system okay. who were like, oh, my goodness, Donald Trump is our president. And, you know, who didn't know who their congressperson was, who maybe didn't vote in primary elections, who didn't, you know, realize that they had a voice and should use it. And so when they realized that, you know, this man who um, campaigned on things that really they didn't agree with, um, was now in charge, they kind of sat back and said, you know, like some of these indivisible groups, they've they've gotten people to active by modeling them after sort of a Tea Party resistance model. And so people were saying, well, we can't get a new president because we already messed, we bungled this one. Like, so let's make sure we're engaging in our con- in, in Congress so that we're not losing mm-hmm. our rights and we're not um, making bad policy. And, um, and, and there are people who, like I say, I don't think knew their congressman's name, okay. even though j- they just voted for them in the 2016 election. Okay. Well, so, yeah. so then mm-hmm. let's talk about uh, let's talk about local. Then, um, yeah. What did What did you learn in your in your previous run? What did you learn from that? You know, I thought what was the thing I always talk about as being the most fascinating is that it's you know we're we're at a time that feels so politically divisive, mm-hmm. and we're we're either red or we're blue, and and we're mortal enemies. And I would go and I would talk about the issues that were important to me, like our good schools and our community safety, gun safety, um, workplace protections for families. And and I'd be on the doors and, and people who would admit to me that they were generally a Republican voter would say, you know, this platform sounds awfully Republican. <laughs> and I would kind of internally laugh to myself, like, I am talking to you about paid sick leave and gun control. Like, these are the most progressive Things anyone said at your door in ages. But what it really shows is that we are not we are all looking for the same thing. We all want our Mm -hmm. kids to have great opportunities. We all want safe communities and good schools. Um, And so the way politicians are getting elected is by sort of pitting uh, ourselves against each other. Mm -hmm. And in our communities, in our neighborhoods, we all have many more similarities than we would imagine. Well, no, yeah, definitely for sure. I mean, I, I, yeah, definitely agree with that. I think it's, we're kind of, 
the negative um, campaigning and labeling, mislabeling, um, portraying kind of the other and all that. But that's and I remember you mentioning that um, before too. That when we just just talk about just talk about the issues and remove the labels, then you know how much more exactly we have in common than not. What are some of the highlights of your platform this time? You know, I'm I am running kind of on the similar. Mm-hmm. Similar platform and similar values. I mean, because things haven't changed. Michigan, um, you know, in in this session, they're not giving Michigan kids a priority. Um, we're not restructuring our budget to give less corporate welfare or more education. Um, you know, we're. I'm still, you know, Michigan Republicans are still trying to dismantle our gun laws and and bring guns into our schools and other safe places. So, um, you know, I'm talking about sensible um, safety in our communities and and about, you know, something um, for me as a mother that I think and having a career and being a career person um, that I think talks to every everyone of my district is just ways that we can support families better, you know, ways we can ensure that we have sick paid sick time or, you know, that we can care for our families and still have career advancement or still maintain our jobs or still be able to pay our bills. Um, you know, infrastructure, the environment, these are all things that I think are important to me and, and are important to everyone. So you've been having focus groups. I know you've been hosting focus groups mm-hmm. and small meetings and just to kind of get to know your constituents. What are some of the local issues that you've seen come up over and over again? I think education is really important to my district. Um, but, you know, I I also... Where, where is your district again? Uh, so it's Birmingham, Bloomfield Hills, and Township, okay. and then half of West Bloomfield. Okay. Um, also, uh, you know, it depends on who I talk to. I mean, like, obviously we're talking about issues of race and gender you know these are things that are fiery at the at the national level and i think people want representation i mean when i talk to people of color they want to know that they're a valuable part of the community mm-hmm. um, and they want someone to kind of stand up for them in the state house and their interests my husband and i were at a like a function and we we saw a republican elected official who um it was Diwali time and there was like a big kind of like Indian cultural festival thing at in a local building. So the, the elected official had just seen a bunch of Indians together and wanted to relay the story to ask what we thought was going on. But like didn't know what the term would be for multiple people from India. Like he, he was like, what to my husband? He was like, what, what, what would you like? What would you call yourself? And a I crowd. Was, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> Well, I'm an, I'm American. I was born and raised in Buffalo, but like people from India are called Indians. And he was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. So I saw India's India's no Indians. And it was just like, oh, my God, this is an elected official who serves a constituency filled with Indians and didn't even know have enough of them in his circle to know what they would prefer to be called in a group, you know, and it was just like. You know that man cannot vote in the interests of his community if he mm. doesn't even feel comfortable addressing a crowd. I, I mean, it was just like a big wake-up call to how um, representation matters and why we need people of color and why we need women in the state house because these these politicians can't possibly represent our interests if they don't even know what our interests are. Hmm. So, so, so you've you've talked about. Your platform, you've talked about, you know, okay, kind of essentially running on what people care about, right? There's mm-hmm. there's things that people care about at the national level. There's things that people 
uh, obviously care about at the, at the local level. Uh, but in doing all this, you've mentioned your husband, you've mentioned your family. Uh, since uh, that second episode, uh, we've become friends on Facebook, mm-hmm. and you've been on my show, and I've been able to see pictures of you and your family, and beautiful family, by the way. Thanks. Um, how do you balance running again? You know, because that takes a, you. You talked about that last time. It kind of took a toll a little bit. Mm-hmm. Didn't ruin your family or anything, but no, obviously, it's, it's, it's a lot it's different. It's different than not running. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how do you balance family life with running for public office? It's tough, you know. I mean, I have little kids, and they have needs, and they go to school, and they have Girl Scouts, and they, you know, someone needs to feed them. Um, and I'm also in that sandwich generation. Might we mm-hmm. have? Aging parents who are sick, you know, my my dad is undergoing treatment for cancer. My father-in-law has been ill and in the hospital. And, I'm sorry to hear on both of that. By the, and it's just like way. part of what every, I mean, the, this is not unique. This is what families are dealing with. Um, and I think that makes me a great candidate. It makes me relatable and, and makes me understand what families are going through. Um, but it means that, you know, I'm hustling a little bit to get, the kids and get the babysitters and we eat a lot of box macaroni and cheese and, and those sorts <laughs> of things. We do make some time sacrifices and um, and it's a challenge, especially because not every candidate will will um, have those challenges, but uh, they won't be able to relate to families with this mm-hmm. with similar issues in the district. So and I'm, I'm glad you said we eat bo- box macaroni and cheese. Wait, we box do. macaroni and cheese with the powder. Or yeah, with like with yeah, the powder. See, that's that's the good <laughs> the macaroni. We get cheese. the organic kind yeah. if it matters. And he's but, but the squeezy kind is not cool. <laughs> no, like I'd feel like you were eating high off the hog at that point. But no, I'm I'm glad that you actually put that out. That you used that particular <laughs> yeah. example. But I put I some edamames in there for protein. Well, that's good. <laughs> uh, but I can relate to that. I there were times where you know. Mom's running ragged because she's trying to do. She's got my mom. She had four kids. She's trying yeah. to go everywhere. Hey, just box macaroni, water, microwave. Throw the cheese in. We're good to go. <laughs> right. I think that people have this view of politicians, and maybe more at the national level than the local level. I don't know that you know you're eating. You're eating high off the hog. You're at Mar-a-Lago every single weekend of right. the first you know sixteen weeks of your presidency. That kind of thing where. Uh, you're owning clubs and, and, and just part of country club. And there's nothing wrong with being part of country clubs. I have friends who are. But uh, you're in this stratospheric point that me in the lower middle, middle middle or upper middle class can't really truly relate to. So just using that example alone made me go, OK, all right. All right. <laughs> it's relatable. Yeah. yeah, this is relatable. And some that's of cool. that's the crazy, the crazy money in politics. It costs a lot to run for office, and there's an infinite amount of money in politics. So, is it you your personal either, money, or is that coming from donations? Well, so it depends, right? So okay. you either raise it, and that's the that's what the goal is: is that you're asking people for money all all the time to help support you, um, or if you have the luxury of being independently wealthy, you just spend your own, and that's okay because you're you know sort of buying your way into office. Because mm. um, we don't have any really like good campaign regulation around how much you can spend. Especially Didn't the in maximum money. just they just increase the cap or to increase the cap or something? Uh, they well, corporations can give unlimited amounts of yeah, money. Yeah, it was. They, yeah. they essentially took um, Citizens United and, and amped it up and then l- allowed it for the state level here in Michigan. So now there can be even more sort of dark money and corporate money in our Michigan politics. Hmm. Yeah. So. Well, I was going to say, I mean, speaking of your family, I mean, just how amazing is that for your daughters to see you, um, you know, as you launched your campaign, announcing that you're running, the values that you're running um, mm-hmm. for? I mean, what an Again, amazing role model example, and I mean, that's their norm too. That's like yeah. what they're gonna, their memories are gonna be. 
Yeah, it's I mean, I I hope I know it's hard on them sometimes. Sometimes when I'm leaving for like the third night in a row to go to a, a function cuz that's the other part. It's a lot of this is evenings and weekends, mm-hmm. you know. And when I'm leaving them with the babysitter and they're looking at me like again, uh, you know, but I I know that it inspires them. My daughter says things like when I'm president, then I'll make sure no one can litter anymore, you know, and <laughs> and I think that is um is great. So, wow. What would you tell people as we wrap up, but what would you tell people that are kind of have an inkling or think about running for office, but there's a little bit of hesitation, you know, I guess what would your advice be to them? I mean, I think they, you know, talk to your family and talk to your friends and see, you know, rally support because it's not something you can do on your own. You need, um, you need people behind you and you need people getting the word out with you and you need people asking people for money with you. Um, but until our state houses look more like our real houses, mm. they're not um, they're not going to ever serve in our best interests. So, And what's and you mentioned this with the importance of local politics, you know, we've kind of. That kind of gets ignored sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I'm running at the state level and that's where we're making decisions about um, gun rights, about the quality of our, our education, about our access to health care, um, Medicaid expansion, abortion laws. Those are all wow. things that are happening at the state level um, while we're kind of being distracted at what's going on in, in the national arena. So. Um, you know, states can really push the envelope forward. Some of some of marriage equality came because um, we couldn't do it at the national level. So state by state, we we um, almost had a 50 50 split. And then the courts were like, OK, we're going that way. We know we're going to go that way. And so um, microbeads in in soaps that are polluting mm. our oceans and killing our fish, you know, state by state, those um, regulations came into play until we had to outlaw them at the national level. So, microbeads from check check. Okay, my, microbeads from like the soap, soap that I use at home is is ending up in the ocean and killing things. Yeah, like fish are drink because they're like so small they get filtered out. They go down the drain, out back into the ocean. Fish eat them. <laughs> they blow up in their intestines. I know this oh, sounds wow. like a random example, but this is one. You know, but these are one. things that we should care about, obviously. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm just taking a shower. I didn't realize that it's like in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Some fish is like, ah, dang you, so Calvin. You'll notice that the soap is going to phase out. We won't see any mm. microbeads in our soap anymore. Those little plastic balls are no mm. more. Oh, I didn't even know they were plastic. I just okay. Mm-hmm. Just, just thought they dissolved or I, something. They just exfoliated yeah. my skin really nicely. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it was that killing the environment do. at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I thought I was getting clean. And oh, anyway, <laughs> these are things that this is why people are in politics. Honestly, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. so that's that's good to know. I I need to go home and ask my wife what kind of soap are we using mm-hmm. now. So you're saying that the local, I mean, I mean, and I've heard this definitely, but again, we focus so much on national, but really, kind of what affects our day to day is really the is local. what's going on at the state. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this was a kind of a question that my friend had posed, actually. But, you know, in your perspective, have you seen an increase in the level of engagement after this, after the last election that we yeah, experienced? Oh, for sure. Um, like I say, I, you know, last in the last couple of weeks, I've went to four different meetings of groups that identify themselves as resistant groups. Like um, they either are working with sort of non-profit, grassroots nonprofits like Indivisible, which is, you know, helps guide you to engage with your congressman or they're just um, 
you know, women's groups where they get together and sort of act as social support and write co- postcards to the lawmakers or, um, you know, you've seen people marching and protesting in a way that you, you weren't really seeing before. Um, and you were at the women's convention last weekend. Yeah. Here I was in Detroit. Luckily, uh, I was lucky enough to be on the host committee. Someone uh, we they had a host committee of like a hundred activists from around, um, around the Detroit area, just to help um, engage our communities and make sure Detroit was represented. And people seemed really sort of um, fired up, and um, you know the women's convention tried to really highlight voices of especially women of color and trans women and women's voices who aren't being centered um, in the women's movement. And I think it was really eye opening for lots of women. And I hope they the people were here from all over. I think they're going to go back and do good work. Wow. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming back to our studio and being back on our show. And, you know, I was really excited to see that you were running again. And again, you're like such an inspiration for so many of us um, that you're using, you know, that drive, education, passion, you know, and um, and really building, um, raising and spreading awareness on so many important issues. Yeah, and thanks. I think a big thing is inspiring others to kind of do the same. So thank you so much. Thanks for stopping by and thanks for updating me. us. Thank you so much. And to our listeners, um, subscribe. You can subscribe to Unsung Heroes through the Podcast Detroit Network through iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and share. Leave a review. And um, you can catch up on our old episodes. And we will see you next time on another episode of Unsung Heroes. <laughs>